Welcome to Pat Sherlock's podcast series, interviews with top mortgage sales leaders. Learn practical tips for improving sales management results. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Pat Sherlock, and welcome to the podcast. Today's topic is selecting a business niche. I have a terrific expert who will share his thoughts on this important topic. R.J. Kiska is Chief Lending Officer at First National Bank of America. Prior to that, he was with Guaranteed Rate and Arbor Mortgage. Hi, R.J. Hi, Pat. Happy to be here. Well, this is a terrific topic, and it's such an important one because I think sometimes it's really not understood. But before we hop into the main topic that we'll discuss today, why don't we start with, you know, how did you get into mortgage banking and managing, and what was the best advice that you ever received on this topic? I was a math guy, right? So that led me to finance, and that led me into uh, meeting a fellow that was a loan officer at a very small company back in 1992. And that's how I got into the industry as a LO. Mm-hmm. Um, we were a, a very small company and loan officers at that time were at least in our company. We had to process all of our own loans. So I really learned the business from the back and forward. Uh, to answer the second question, what was the best advice I've been given in the industry? You know, there's a lot, but one one thing I think as a business owner and a banker are uh, metrics, right? So uh, I think a guy named Jim Meisenheimer taught me a simple rule. What gets measured gets done. Well, that's a good rule. That's for sure. And so from that, was that something, I mean, were you one to read books on managing or was that something that you pursued? Yes. So education, right, is a huge deal. Uh, learning, <laughs> and you're never too old to learn. Uh, it's very important because people that are younger, older, same age, different industries, they all have insight on similar problems, similar complications, uh, similar solutions. And so I'm a, I'm a mass. I, I think if if I go a day without learning something new, it's a bad day. So yeah, I'm a very big student of reading webinars, all sorts of things. Well, that's great. So when you look back at all the things that you've accomplished, what was your your greatest victory in your career? And likewise, what was the greatest lesson that you learned in your career? Well, I'll tell you, this is a weird story, but when the markets crashed and we had this disruption in 2008-9 and the the subprime crash and, you know, housing values went to the wayside, we were you know, a very competitive mortgage company. We were, I I think we ran a really good shop, but what we did was we went and got our FHA ticket and Fannie and Freddie ticket. And um, that took a lot. I think my biggest accomplishment is that we made it through that time. Uh, But uh, people that are out there that are FHA lenders will understand what a compare ratio is. And we were at that time getting a lot of manual or refer. And so we had to do a lot of manual underwriting. Our compare ratio went from, you know, 80 to 300 in a short order in about a year. And we were very focused on the data. We watched that every month. And I got a letter from FHA 
that said, you know, we're going to suspend your FHA authority. Because I paid attention to the data and the measurements, we had already cured the problem. We had one underwriter in our fold. They were approving on manuals, 90% plus of the manuals, and that turned into a problem. So the biggest accomplishment was when FHA says they're going to take your ticket, I actually hired a former FHA executive. I went to Washington, D.C. I sat with the board on FHA for two straight days and pled my case. And I showed that in a matter of 24 months, our compare ratio would be back to normal. And, and it was, and I got my ticket back. So that, I think that was my biggest win because that was probably the hardest I've ever worked in my entire life. Wow, what a great story. What on the, the lesson side, when you look back over your long career in mortgage banking? You literally have to take the emotions out of business. And I know that sounds horrible, but it's a reality. Business should be data-driven and fact. It shouldn't be gut. Maybe some of it should, but I think I, what I've learned is that trust the data and make sure that the data is pointing that will give you like a dashboard on your car, right? You need to know how much gas you have left. You need to know how far your point A and point B and your GPS. And things have to happen systematically. Things have to move in in a mortgage pipeline from point A to point B in a specific time. And if they don't, you have to know, and then you have to address that. And then you have to cure. So one of the books that I've read was Toyota Kata, which was the difference in management style. So uh, uh, real quick, if you have a production line like Ford versus Toyota, and you have to tighten a bolt, and then you're doing the quality check on the end, And Ford would say, okay, well, these bolts aren't being tightened, so we're going to put a person on the end of the line to tighten that bolt. Toyota Kata would say, nope, the bolts aren't being tightened. We need to fix why they're not being tightened. And they would shut the entire line down to solve that problem. And the innovation actually comes from the people on the floor doing the work. So I I think the lesson I've learned is to make sure that your indicators and your warning lights are functioning. And when they do, don't solve a problem by putting something on the back end, fix the actual problem. Well, that's great advice. And that's certainly a, the continuous improvement strategy that the Japanese really started is a lot of what you're talking about. And it's really obviously has made them very efficient. So that's really a good point. Because sometimes what I see is the same thing where the problem gets ignored, mainly because the data is not known. So we had that first issue. And then when there is a problem, how do you go to address it? Uh, so all great points. So let's talk about selecting a business niche. And this is a topic I know that you are very excited about because you've done it so many times in your career, but talk about how do you go about doing that and what are some of the strategies that you implement? Well, uh, there's a great book called Blue Ocean. Mm-hmm. Uh, that yeah, I mean, you know, everybody's read that and sure. it's just a shark, sharks in the water and there's other books, Art of War, that are mm-hmm. influential. Uh, Lee and Coney, Employee Engagement, all sorts of these different things. But um, niching, you know, 
doesn't necessarily mean you have to be first and create it. For example, timing has a tremendous amount to do with niche. And then we are an industry that is very highly regulated. And so sometimes the, the, the niche lies in the regulation. So the clarity came in 2014 with QM versus non-QM. And it was kind of like, okay, well, everybody on this side is QM, everybody on this side is non-QM. And that business has grown, not to the extent of the normal mortgage markets, but there's always this sector of people that were not able to get loans. And I think the mistake made in 2000 and you know, 2000 to 2008 was this, this idea of like home ownership was a right. And I just think that was wrong not to have a play on words, but it's not a right. You have to earn it. So with that, you kind of look at this non QM business and we kind of take a, an approach. When I joined the bank, we were, you know, a billion dollars. Now we're three and a half billion. And we've grown that because we focused on this audience that didn't have an outlet or a way or a way home, a way to buy a house, a, w a way to do things. And we're conservative in nature. We have, you know, our, our max loan to value is 80, 85%. But the, the philosophy, the niche before was, or the thought process in lending was people that don't qualify for conforming are people that have bad credit. And I changed that philosophy. The niche was, we're going to appeal to clients with really good credit, with money that can't document it, uh, or they write everything off on it on their tax returns. So they take full advantage of the legal tax deductions, and they come up with not enough income on their personal returns to qualify for a loan. But these people are business owners. They they grind, they work, sure. they have they have reserves, but they can't get a loan. And so we created several different income programs, not no docs, right? Not that. Different things. Like so my philosophy is a safer loan, a FHA ninety seven with a gifted down payment with no reserves or is a better loan with a you know a 620 credit score or is a better loan a self-employed borrower that's been in business for 15 years that doesn't show a lot of income on his tax returns but has assets and a credit score of 750. So in my opinion people that have already done the work and saved the money are a better risk than people that are getting into the first phase of that. So that's what we focused on. We focused on self-employed people that could not get a loan or a home loan that had a good down payment and a good credit score. The second part of the niche, which has evolved, was we took advantage of the DACA program. And we are really aggressive in the, uh, I, I would call it Spanish immersion population. Their default ratio in our portfolio is less than a half a percent. So RJ, talk about Again, this strategy coming out of a bank is obviously very unusual. And so how did that strategy, how did you sell that strategy and, and talk about uh, for our listeners uh, what you see as the best way to sell that strategy? 
So I think that three things have to be in order. Well, okay, so you, you say, look, here's an underserved market, blue ocean, and you start kind of kicking that around. And then you talk about how many people fit into that category. So you're, you're identifying your market size. Right. And then you're looking at how to effectively reach those people. The real key, in my opinion, is to have three things aligned. And I think anybody in the mortgage industry will say, well, you know, the stress in lending is always between sales and operations. And I consider sales everything that happens from the time the phone rings or you get a lead to the time that it enters the processing portfolio, just to be clear. Marketing above the time the phone rings and then operations, underwriting, processing, closing, compliance, all that stuff happens you know, kind of after that loan is in process. I'm not talking about the disclosure process. So three things have to be in line. And what most companies do is the, the stress is between sales and underwriting or operations. And that's really not where the stress needs to lie. So what you have to do is you look at all of the metrics in a business and it's conversion ratio. I don't care where you're from or what you do. It's all about what pulls through. Profitable companies make money based upon conversion. So we, what we do is we align three things, marketing, sales, and operations. The stress being put on marketing to deliver a buyer that will say yes. So I have a thing, it's kind of a concept, but I, I, it's, I, I think that our job as sales managers, leaders, is to make it easier for people to sell. Make it easy for our salespeople to sell and have them only engaged in sales activity. Don't have them involved in the compliance part. Don't have them involved in the processing part. It's, it's very unique. And if you align those three things, the profits could be you know, very lucrative if they're aligned. So I stress the front end of the process. Same way I stress when a salesperson delivers a loan into the processing department, there is a absolute minimum that is required in order for that loan to move forward. We call it pay it forward like the Kevin Spacey movie in our company, meaning your job before the loan goes to the next person is to make the next person's life easier. Well, that's really terrific. And but the original strategy was that difficult to get the board of directors and the executive leadership on board with that in other words how how did that work well so the 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 bank was already involved in kind of a little bit of a niche lending they just didn't define it their goal was to serve the underserved but they went in a they they were not in the wrong direction the bank was very successful before i came there good management very good board of directors and i'm telling you when I say this, having a great board is a difference maker. I mean, these, are, these aren't just family and friends. They are absolute professionals in banking, mortgage lending. So that's the key. So when you kind of ring an idea to people that are open-minded, business savvy, they understand risk, they understand reward, it's not that hard if you have the right audience. And that's what I mean by a niche is not just finding the business that that niche, 
but how it performs, is it profitable? All of those things. Well, that's really a great point, and time has flown by. If you would give maybe a couple takeaways for our listeners today on uh, what you've been talking about. Yeah, so um, to me, okay, Pat, so I'm going to give you a little kudo, right? Um, Pat taught me at a very young age, almost I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, that um, you have to you have to really do a couple things in order to be successful. Uh, it's data-driven. It's not emotion. Uh, it's people-driven. Uh, hire the best. And, man, that dashboard that you're looking at, you need to know when you're running out of gas now, not in 20 miles. Uh, and, and, and those are the key things. Being honest and saying, here are our problems, and then figuring out like the like the kind of like the Toyota Kata thing, figuring out what the cure is, not the band-aid. Right? Don't take the don't take the aspirin. Don't take the ibuprofen. Figure out what's causing the pain and fix that. I think those are the things that I could tell the audience that are important to me. You know, really solve solve it. Figure out a better way. And then the last thing is be a change master. Question everything. Are we really that great? Are we really doing it that well? Get feedback. What do our clients say? What do our partners say? Where can we improve? This little thing of that consistent improvement was a game changer for me. Well, I thank you for sharing your thoughts and for all our listeners today, RJ is a marketing whiz that I can tell you that is, he does a terrific job and you can just tell from how he talked about establishing a business niche that he knows what to do. So thanks so much, RJ. And I want to tell everyone today also subscribe to where you listen to your podcast, but also rate today's episodes. We'd love to hear from you. You can sign up for our weekly sales tips at www.petsherlock.com. Thanks so much, RJ. Well, Pat, it's been a pleasure.